Breaking Bread with Brilliant Babes. I'm your host, Tatiana Jimenez. We're recording today in my tiny apartment in sunny yet brisk San Francisco. Today I'm joined by Crystal Martinez. Hi, Crystal. Hi, how are you? Good. (laughs) Thanks for being on the show. For any first-time listeners out there, Our purpose here is to shed some light on everyday people doing brilliant things. I invite them into my home, cook a meal, and then we eat together and chat about their careers and how they got where they are today. Today's a little bit different because we're drinking a cocktail that I created called the Lavender Bee's Knees. Crystal is a financial trainer in New York and will tell us a little bit more about what that is. And she's been helping people get financially fit. So, Crystal, can you share a little about what you do currently and your career history up until this point? Uh, Yeah, sure. That'd be great. Glad to. Um, So, I am a certified financial trainer, and what I do is I work at the Financial Gym, which is based out of uh, Manhattan in New York, and we are a financial wellness company that helps people get financially fit. So, it's similar to a physical fitness concept, but with finances. So you go to a gym to get physically fit, but with a financial gym, it's where our clients go to get financially fit. So we have a variety of different clients in financial situations that are coming in to get uh, financially fit, whether that is working on a budget, paying down debt, uh, getting started on investing, um, making sure they're on track for retirement. Um, a variety of different things based on where they're currently at. And what's great about what we do is we're focused on financial wellness for the mass. So if you go to a financial services company, they're going to focus on how many, how much do you have in assets. If you have 250000 in assets, then great, they're going to place you with somebody that's going to take a look at your money and create an investment portfolio for you. But with our founder, Shannon Clay, who started this concept four years ago, it was like, well, what about, about the 99%, mm-hmm. I want to say. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of people that want to get financially fit, but they didn't have personal finance resources growing up. There was no personal finance 101 in your high school or your college curriculum. Mm-hmm. So how do we take this concept that's very basic and break it down and educate our clients and provide the true financial services that they need and not providing financial products that are actually going to set them back. We don't sell mortgages. We don't sell credit cards, do personal loans. We don't take any commissions. Similar to a concept of going into a gym, you pay a flat rate monthly fee and you have a personal trainer, let's say, and a workout routine. Our clients come in. They put all of their cards out on the table. They get financially naked with us as their you know, personal trainers or financial trainers. And what we do is we get really personal because there is no financial plan that's one size fits all. Mm-hmm. Your finances and your lifestyle and your goals are going to be completely different from what my goals are. Mm-hmm. And that's why we have our slogan is like, what are you working for? Mm-hmm. Because everybody's working towards a different goal. So whether that's buying a house, paying off student loans, uh, retiring early, saying F it to the man, quitting your job and traveling the world. These are all the sorts of different type of goals that we have clients coming in for and working their way to achieve. So getting paired with a financial trainer, they're able to, you know, really get financially naked, give all the digits and come back and we have a financial plan that we give them. Similar to getting a workout routine from your personal trainer, Mm -hmm. you come in, you work with a personal trainer on getting physically fit. So our clients are coming in and they're using us as a resource for education and getting the uh, financial plan or roadmap, what we, another terminology that we use. My brain is totally going to, like, reality television. I feel like you guys <laughs> could have a reality TV show. We definitely <laughs> Similar should. to, like, The Biggest Loser, but it's, like, The Biggest Saver. It really is. I never thought of that. I will have to go back and present that. Yeah. Because that's a free idea for you guys. We will take it. Thank you. And we will we will make sure to have you in on that one. We're like, okay, cool. We're going to credit Tatsy and Hannah for that, because... It's really true. Every day at where I work, all of the trainers and us are constantly focusing on, oh my God, there's all these crazy stories coming in, but they're not really crazy to us. It's like, you know, we do have a lot of clients coming in and there's a lot of fear and shame 
about their money and their situation. Mm-hmm. And our thing is like no judgments. If you want to come in and you're ready uh, and willing to work hard on getting financially fit, like we're going to be there. Mm-hmm. I have clients that call me, that text me, that email me off hours at any times. It's very personal. So mm-hmm. money is so connected to every part of their lives. And, yeah. you know, having somebody that's holding you accountable to your goals, but then also being there for when you really need it in times and rough times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do see all sorts of things. Like it, it, life is a crazy roller coaster ride. So yeah. there are a lot of highs and a lot of lows with our clients. Mm-hmm. And it really could be a reality show. Yeah, I definitely it agree. is really scary. Like I remember when, like after I graduated from college, I had a lot of debt. I had student loan debt and then I had credit card debt because I was a dumb dumb. But just just acknowledging that and just like opening your statements or looking at your balance every day and slowly chipping away at it, it's really stressful. So it's like I can imagine that it's even more stressful to share this information with a stranger, but at the same time, like really helpful, just like you were saying, to have someone hold your hold you accountable mm-hmm. um, to your goals. So did you did you go to school for finance? I did not. (laughs) I actually went to school for anthropology, cultural anthropology um, specifically. And it's kind of the ongoing joke of what are you going to do with that degree? Mm -hmm. Are you going to make any money? I went through several different um, sort of interests when I was in college. I I thought I wanted to be a DE agent and I wanted to do criminal justice. Tried that out for a little Mm -hmm. while. Did not like it. Decided, no, that's not my career path. So... um, you know, then I studied anthropology. I graduated. I did some some odd jobs. That was then when there was the the recession. Mm. So obviously, it was really hard to find a career that you want. Yeah. Um, and just any sort of steady career at that time. Um, so I, I waited the two year cycle out, and I eventually found a position in international education, which was uh, I did student services at Embassy English. And that's where I really did get to put my knowledge and my love of anthropology to use because I was Mm -hmm. working with so many international students that were coming to the United States, uh, Long Beach specifically, to learn English. Mm -hmm. And so it was full immersion. And I felt like my background in anthropology really came in handy at that time because I had to understand what these students were going from, their Mm -hmm. cultural and their upbringing that they were used to. And the culture shock that they were getting when they were coming to America and helping to really alleviate that. And it's a totally personal situation that you have with all of these students and their mm-hmm. situations. They're ages 16 to, you know, 25, a really wow. important time frame when they're coming in, they're getting this, these experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt like I was really utilizing what I learned at that time. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't regret any at any point having that degree. I think it was cool. really useful. And yeah. even now, in my current profession, I use it a lot because you have to understand um, upbringing and different class and, and mm-hmm. all these ways that were impacted with the way we grew up and yeah. constantly using that in any customer service-focused um, business. And that's, I think, heavily what our business is because mm-hmm. we're not an app and we're not a bot. We are personal financial trainers so Mm -hmm. we have to have empathy with our clients Mm -hmm. and that's huge yeah um in understanding what their situations are and not judging Mm -hmm. so very cool so you how did you make the jump though from I think it's called embassy English Mm -hmm. what made you want to go from from doing kind of the student services thing to financial planning right. or personal finance. Right, yeah. That's an interesting change. <laughs> it is a very interesting change. I was not expecting uh-huh. that at all. It was a shock for me basically two years ago. Um, I had transitioned from doing student services at an actual ESL school in Long Beach, and I relocated for a job in um, New York operations management with the same company. So I transitioned into the corporate office, and working in that capacity, I had to deal a lot with numbers. So a lot with numbers and a lot with people. Mm -hmm. So there were a lot of administrative things naturally that was like, well, how much money do we have? Can we roll out this sort of program? Can we market that? 
so with that, there were a lot of finances, finance components involved. And I found that I actually grew to really love it. I grew to love numbers and mm-hmm. the black and white of it, you mm-hmm. know, and there were certain projects that I started to work on where I realized I found the true space and capacity that I loved working in was dealing with numbers, but then also dealing with my team and cultivating them and like Mm -hmm. leading them. So it was like, I found my two passions that I was good at and I enjoyed doing, Mm -hmm. but I was falling a little bit out of love with the international education industry. And unfortunately in the current climate that we're at, it's not really a desirable place, a desirable place to come right now. The United States, in mm. general, with a and it's also difficult uh, economically for yeah. the international student community for them to come here. So, I notice that as an industry, it was kind of it's on its way out, and mm. I realized I needed to make the jump mm-hmm. before it was too late. And also, I think it's good to always make a jump in careers, a jump mm-hmm. in industry. I think doing the same thing over and over again for anybody is not healthy and it's always good to challenge yourself. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, I need to do something in finance. Yeah. I don't know what that's going to be or where, but I will start doing my homework on what mm-hmm. companies, you know, New York, you're in the thick of it. You're mm-hmm. going to find companies. I mean, we've got Wall Street, we've got all these amazing companies. Yeah. So that's what kind of made me want to take the jump and the big mm-hmm. leap you know, go big or go home. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go big, so I moved to New York. So, And I wasn't ready to go home. So <laughs> I was like, all right, got to make something happen uh-huh. here then. Yes. Um, and that's what really made me start searching around for financial services. Mm-hmm. And that's how I came across the financial gym was Very through that. Cool. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you're pretty new at the financial gym. But how long, how long have you been there now? Ooh, I would say officially as a full-time employee maybe five or six months okay there were two months there I did a long uh, apprenticeship program so I I love the concept of what they're doing as far Mm -hmm. as onboarding new people it's like is it a good fit for you is it a Mm -hmm. good fit for us and making sure that it's it's good for everybody the Mm -hmm. team the culture is very important there because we are so small but as we grow it's like we want to make sure everybody's happy Mm -hmm. trainers and clients um so two months of really going there shadowing in on meetings following other trainers around and asking Mm -hmm. questions and and just really being there and seeing Mm -hmm. like is this really the right fit yeah I think that was really great and 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 I slightly mentioned to you earlier, but it was a really interesting transition because I had my nine to five, what I would call my work marriage, Mm -hmm. where I had been with Embassy English for a good six years Mm -hmm. and I loved it, but I wasn't in love with it anymore. So I was doing the apprenticeship program in the evening. So I would basically work the nine to five or whatever shift I wouldn't get off. And then I would go directly to do the apprenticeship Mm -hmm. program in the evening. So I had very long days there for a couple of months Mm -hmm. and it did feel like I was going to see my true love at night, you know, (laughs) my romantic lover. Uh So it's like, okay, this is my husband, but now this is my, my real passion lover in the evenings, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, but it was, it was a good time to really, to see if it was for me. And I, mm-hmm. and I, and I grew to really love, um, the financial gym and the mission. And I realized that this was the right fit. This is where I needed to be. been there like six months this question might not totally apply to you yet Mm -hmm. but so the next question I usually ask guests is when was the moment you felt that you broke into your industry or role like do you did getting this job make you feel that way or do you feel like you know you you might not have really broke into it yet like you're still kind of getting there right so I would say it does apply to me in a certain way it I figured out when I came into this company that I know myself professionally a lot better. I know Mm -hmm. that I like dealing with people and helping people. I see. Yeah. And I know Mm -hmm. that I'm good with administrative tasks and numbers. So I think it's more important to know like what are the job accountabilities that I'm good at doing. Mm -hmm. And that's something that could be applicable to any sort of position at another industry. 
Yeah. And it's, yeah, it, I get what you're saying. Like that comes after like being in the work, workforce for a long time and re- yeah, like recognizing what you're good at, mm-hmm. being vocal to your superiors about what is interesting to you, being an advocate for yourself, right. that sort of thing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that exactly. makes sense. Having the, having the different job roles and bumping mm-hmm. around, I don't want to be on computers 100% of the day and not talk to anyone. I'm a very social person. Mm-hmm. But I also realize that I can't talk to somebody all day long. I need to also break it up with some administrative tasks to mm-hmm. just zone out and really hone in on whatever that is, whether it's writing, whether it's number crunching. Um, so I feel like I found my true job functions that I'm really good mm-hmm. at doing. And... Um, so and you're in your like happy place. I'm in my happy state. I have like <laughs> yeah. a good balance of 50, 50, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, I do feel in that oh. way I broke in. Mm-hmm. And also I could say being in the startup sort of world is really fascinating. I was in corporate for, in a corporate industry and in mm-hmm. area for, for a while now. Mm-hmm. And I loved that. And I enjoyed certain things about that, but I really like the startup, um, mentality, mm-hmm. um, and synergy. And I find that working with people at startups that are really passionate about the mission and everybody can enact change is where I feel like that's where I would want to be in any job I do where people are driven about Mm -hmm. it and they're also we're really competitive but in a healthy way yes you know yeah yeah I've been in that environment too and it like it pushes you because everyone else is working so hard and like doing amazing things so it, it pushes you to also do your best work so I guess my next question is, either at your your previous role or before that, or even now, did you have a mentor, and are you now a mentor to others, if you're aware of that or not? Yeah, <laughs> It's yeah. kind of tricky sometimes. You don't right. realize you're a mentor, but yeah. what do you think? Yeah, so I definitely did have a mentor at my last job, MSC English. I will mention his name, because it's important, Joe Shapiro. <laughs> He um, sounds like a lawyer name. It does. <laughs> it really does. Yeah, and and I, and I loved him whenever he introduced himself, and he's like Joe Shapiro. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but he he was a great mentor. He he was kind of not an, uh, a direct manager that I had, but basically when I was in Long Beach in California, he was mm-hmm. based and still is based out of New York. So mm-hmm. there was a lot of mentorship with like long phone conversations and how do you manage customer service with difficult clients or different Mm. customers and how do you have difficult conversations with your colleagues and really taking the time to teach me the ways of like the political sphere and you know how do you use your professional capital to get what you want and when you shouldn't use it and how to successfully get what you want out of the business without making any enemies and really acquiring Mm. friends and he really helped me develop my managing style and and also advocated for me to have the operations manager role when it wasn't even developed. He he went ahead and was like, we need an operations manager and this mm-hmm. is the person that I think I should do it and advocated for me to get to New York. So that was really huge. And a lot of the things that I do today and the knowledge I have is from years of experience and time that he took to really teach me and you know it'd be sometimes hour-long conversations you know mm-hmm. where we have little staff meetings and some you know I ask them a question I have a difficult time getting my team to do x you know it's like okay let's break it down and mm-hmm. let me tell you my experience and what works and what doesn't work wow. and yeah I felt like that was really valuable mm-hmm. and he enjoyed mentoring me but I also enjoyed being his mentee mm-hmm. and then as far as being a mentor myself I would say I have some clients that are, you know, they're either students right now or they're young in their careers. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the the meetings I have with them is sometimes very much like, how do you do salary negotiation? Um, How do you start doing networking events? How do you present yourself? And it becomes a lot more than just money. It's more Mm -hmm. like it is, it does become like a big sister sort of relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really enjoy that. You Mm -hmm. know, I enjoy seeing them grow and them coming back and telling me I got this position and I, or I negotiated a, you know, $15,000 salary raise, Mm -hmm. you know, and like, that's really 
wonderful for me that's to huge. have, and, and I enjoy yeah. that sort of relationship I have with some of my clients. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's amazing. Mm-hmm. So far in your career, what has been your, and I like to ask this question because I think it's really important to not only talk about how happy-go-lucky and like all of the like the great things that we do, which is important to acknowledge and celebrate and stuff, but I think a lot of times in our careers we fail or we come across really difficult moments that we have to overcome. So I always ask my guests, what so far has been your biggest career obstacle slash shittiest moment? Mm-hmm. I would say there are more periods than specific events. One that I can think of is when I did transition into my operations role in New York. I, I had to come across a lot of obstacles because... I had to manage people that were older than me or mm-hmm. of a different gender. Some of them were my peers, and now I was sort of on a different scale from them. Mm-hmm. So managing those sorts of relationships and their different motivations was really difficult for me to come into that sort of role. It was easier when I was a big fish in a little pond in Long Beach, but then now I'm like in the big leagues in New York Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was the hardest learning curve I had in my career was motivating my team um, and making sure, you know, I'm still professional, but I'm friendly and personable. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody may be motivated by money. Somebody, somebody might be motivated by accolades or, you know, so it's just figuring out, like, how can mm-hmm. I get to them and make, really make a bigger mission resonate within them to get them on board with whatever project was going to be good for the company, good for the students, good mm-hmm. for us as a as a whole, as a team. Yeah. I felt like that was the really hardest moment, and I, I had to go through several different awkward conversations and, and learning experiences, and I would say that was like my first year that was really, really difficult for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and to this day, I still kind of think of some of those conversations I may have had with my team and like how could I have done that better but I've had to realize like that was just a a learning curve and Mm -hmm. and as long as I'm actually taking the mistakes or the shitty moments and I'm saying like those are great learning experiences Mm -hmm. that's constructive criticism and feedback Mm -hmm. as long as I learn from it then it's fine so that was that was one I can think of and the second one I can think of was right before I transitioned from Embassy English to the financial gym and going back to the whole industry, kind of leaning back a little bit as far as how many students we were having. The schools were coming across a period where there weren't enough students to keep the schools running, and we were losing money rather than making money or breaking even. So the week before I gave my notice, we came across a big announcement that they were going to close several of the schools and let go several of the team members that I had been working with. Mm-hmm. And that was a really difficult moment because I knew I was leaving of my own free will to mm-hmm. another thing that I worked really hard for and that I was passionate about. But I still felt really upset that the schools were closing, the teams that I had worked so closely with on a day-to-day basis uh, were being let go. And I just, I also wasn't really in the loop about it and prepared for it. So I felt like that was a really shitty moment to mm-hmm. have colleagues that you really care about and they're doing a great job and really giving 110% with what resources they had Mm -hmm. and it's still not working out. I think that was really hard. I've never seen a layoff um, at that scale. You know, Mm -hmm. you always see it in movies and it it sounds bad or you know other people that have dealt with restructuring and and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, But that was my own personal experience of it. And it Mm -hmm. was really hard seeing people that have like family members and Mm -hmm you know, we're planning to buy a house and now it's, you know, unemployment and it just, it was, it was really hard, but also maybe really want to do financial training. So that Mm -hmm. way people aren't in the sort of situation where it's like, oh no, now what I do, I'm worried about my life as far as money. But I I would say Mm -hmm. that was a really hard, shitty situation to be in. Definitely. But I think it's interesting too, just to listen from like an outsider's perspective about, you know, there was like something inside of you that, 
this like intuition, like, you know, this, this industry is changing or whatever, this company is changing, like it's time to leave. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that you had that. Maybe it's your, you're just very observant or it's intuition or whatever, but it's interesting that during that time you had made that decision instead of waiting until, you know, you were like let go or whatever, or the company failed. Mm -hmm. That, that kind of stuff is really fascinating to me, like the timing of things Mm -hmm. and Um, just how that works. But anyway, so opposite of that, what do you think has been your biggest opportunity or something that you would call your best moment? I would say the best moment was really finding the financial gym. It wasn't fate, wasn't destiny because I was searching for it, but I just came at the right vent. I met the right person. I got into the right people. Mm-hmm. And oh, so you found out about them through an event that you went to. Correct. Cool. Yeah. So okay. uh-huh. I really do believe in the power of networking over mm-hmm. just standard resumes going out and no one really meeting you face to face. I mean, mm-hmm. your personal brand and presentation speaks far more words than a resume does mm-hmm. sitting in somebody's email inbox. So my thing was, I'm going to go to these events, I'm going to meet people, I'm going to find different companies that are out there. And I came to an event, it was a pitch workshop, actually, and people were working on pitches for their own business, for different startups, or maybe they were in a company and they were trying to work on, how do I sell a pitch to my manager on this project, mm-hmm. for instance. So I had met another former colleague, and she was pinching the financial gym, and I go, A, I want to be a client. Oh my gosh, cool. <laughs> B, I want to work there. Uh-huh. So I was really sold by the story and the mission statement. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started off actually as a client, and I still am a client at the mm-hmm. financial gym. I have my uh, financial trainer. And, you know, going to the events there, meeting the team, doing the apprenticeship, I feel like that was where I really had my biggest opportunity. Mm-hmm. That was my, like, New York professional moment, like, opportunity. And it was Mm -hmm. like, this is why I moved here. This is why Mm -hmm. I, you know, gave up my cushy life in Long Beach. I could have just stayed there in my nice Mm -hmm. little studio apartment two blocks away from the beach with all my friends and my family. But I was willing to sacrifice that to come and struggle Mm -hmm. and have the challenge and find something greater than me that I really wanted to be a part of. Yeah. And that was the moment in, in, in that I'm in right now that mm-hmm. I feel really like is the biggest opportunity. And mm-hmm. I'm really grateful. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. Yeah, and so full disclaimer for listeners, but I'm also a client. <laughs> and Crystal is my financial trainer, and she does a great job. But yeah, I think I... I well, A, because I'm a designer, I really like your branding. It's really beautiful. Your website's really beautiful. And it's really easy to use. And I just really, I, you know, I come from like a credit union background. So I'm a big fan of personal finance and financial education. And I think you guys do a really great job. And I do really love that during our sessions together, you're never trying to push me to do things that you wouldn't do like I know that because you're not a broker when you recommend different kinds of services to me whether it's like betterment or whatever whatever other companies like you know to open a savings account I know you're not getting a cut from that stuff so it just comes from this like kind of genuine place like these are where you're gonna get like the best rates it's really easy to use blah 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 so I I think that's really cool so yeah that's our full disclaimer for the show um (laughs) But anyway, moving on from the financial gym. So on this show, I'd also like to highlight what I call hidden talents. So things that are significant to our lives that we might not add to our resumes or are necessarily work-related. So I know that you're very involved with roller skating in New York um, and you wear really fun costumes. So do you want to talk about that and let us know what that's all about? (laughs) Um, I just don't believe in, in adulting all the time. <laughs> like, I want to have fun. I don't care that I'm 32. I want to like, I want to still feel like I'm a kid because you're really an old, as old as you feel. And mm-hmm. I don't feel old. I feel young. And that's because I do things that give me energy and make me excited. And, mm-hmm. and one of them that has just been tired and true throughout the years has been roller skating. So mm-hmm. 
Um, if even back in Long Beach, I would see the the Moxie roller skate team girls just skating around town. They just look so cool, and uh-huh. I thought I want to be them. Uh-huh. But I didn't want to fork over the three hundred dollars for the roller skates. I wasn't making as much as mm-hmm. you know. I am not, not that I'm making like a million dollars, yeah. but you know, I was just out of college, so I wasn't making big figures. Right. And so when I finally moved over to uh, New York, I thought, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to drop the money, get some good roller skates, mm-hmm. and I'm going to learn. I'm going to make the investment. That's that's a, the terminology that we throw around. I'm just going to invest in some uh-huh. roller skates. <laughs> so I thought, it'll be fun. It will also be uh, physically very good because it does burn a lot of calories uh-huh. Um, does take a lot of balance and technique and practice, practice, practice. So I, I did that. I took um, a couple of lessons. I watched a lot of YouTube videos. <laughs> if you're interested in learning um, as a beginner, Planet um, Roller Skate is a very good series. Okay. You can subscribe to them and learn, you know, what are roller skates? How do you put them on? How do you balance? How do you roller skate backwards? How do you do spins? Wow. We'll, we'll put the link on the website. Yes, definitely yeah. put the link on. <laughs> I think it was great. I learned a lot from that. And at the same time that I got the skates, there is... Uh, a roller disco event that goes on in in the um, Prospect Park at the skate rink, and it's called Dreamland Roller Disco, and (laughs) they have themed roller skate parties. Oh my gosh. So there's drinking, there's a DJ, and Mm -hmm. there's outfits, and there's a costume contest. So whether it's like Prince, um, Lady Gaga, Beyonce, Mm -hmm. and outfits are highly encouraged, so great. So I love any excuse or opportunity to dress up. Mm-hmm. So I also have a best friend, Elena, and she has her, her company. It was, it's an online vintage company, but she, clothing company, and she has amazing outfits. So she's my go-to when it's like, I need this costume. Mm-hmm. You know, ha- can you give me an outfit? And we go and we roller skate around. I, I do my tricks. I practice. And mm-hmm. it's a really fun community. Everyone... Um, is very welcoming. They'll teach you things, and there's no there are no judgments. That's and great. It's a really I can't fun imagine thing. like roller skating divas who are like, get out of my way. <laughs> no, no, it's really not. It's a very yeah. welcoming community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone's like, if you're excited about learning and you're passionate, you're committed to it. Like, mm-hmm. they're they're open to you. So, and how much more fun is it with anything within a costume? Is mm-hmm. fun. So true. Yeah. I love a good theme party. Exactly. Always. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even think about this, but we have a roller skating place here. Oh, you like, need on... to go. Well, no, I've been, and it's oh. terrifying. Why? <laughs> but I was like, I should have, like, taken you there on this trip. Oh. It's called the Church of Eight Wheels. Okay. And that it's in amazing. an old church. <laughs> I went, we went for my friend's birthday, like, a couple years ago, and... Like, I grew up rollerblading, so I know how to do that, uh-huh. but roller skating is so different because mm-hmm. you break on the front of your foot, and so it's so scary because I feel yeah. like I'm going to fall forward. Right. Um, but it was really fun. Like, they play really fun. I, I think you would love it. I would love that. Maybe next time. Maybe next I'm time. I'm scared. Yeah. yeah. We, can, we can definitely do a redo. I can come yeah. back, and we'll make it part two. Okay, cool. I'm down. <laughs> cool. So, yeah, you're... Financial planning during the day, roller skating in the evening. Oh, yeah. I love it. That's how we roll. So we also have some listener questions for you. So we'll start with the first one, which is, why do you think money is still such a taboo subject to talk about? Uh, You know... There, and I think I mentioned this to you earlier, Tati, but mm-hmm. people, they've done studies and people would rather talk about HIV and AIDS over money. Finances wow. is still a really taboo topic. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like people get really anxious when there are conversations about money. And if you think about it, money, whether you have a lot of it or you don't have any of it, it gives you anxiety and how people are going to judge you Mm. and your relationships with money. So the way we spend money, it reflects our relationships with it. So on a day-to-day basis, we're constantly 
spending money on groceries, on gas, on Ubers, on shopping. And again, with personal finance, it's different amongst each person. Your goals and values are going to be different and your relationships are going to be different with money than what mine are. So Mm -hmm. if I tell you I'm going to go on this vacation and I'm going to spend X amount of money, but that's not something that you value and you think it's a waste of money, you're going to judge me for Mm -hmm. the way I'm spending my money. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're constantly comparing ourselves, too, to other people. And how much do they make? They make more than me. They live in this big fancy house. They have better clothes, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's this constant fear and shame that they live in around money uh, because they're worried about judgment Mm -hmm. and also feel inadequately equipped with the knowledge around money. So anything that you don't have any knowledge on, you feel like, I don't want to talk about this because I have anxiety about it, whether Mm -hmm. I have too much or too little, and I don't really understand finances. So let's just not talk about it. I want to drop the subject. Yeah, I think it also could have a lot, a lot to do with like the way you're raised, too. Because like I know in my family, growing up, like I didn't know how much my parents made. Like they didn't share that information with me, which right. I I think that's the case in a lot of families. So when I was growing up, like it was weird for me to share my information with my friends, which as I've gotten older, I think it's really important to share that stuff, especially with my female friends. So we could talk about, you know, I think it's important to be like really transparent with your close friends. So that way, you know, you can have a better idea of like what people doing similar things as you are making. So you could like reach higher, you know, what's possible, all that stuff. But yeah, I think it's, it's, has a lot to do with maybe how you're raised like the culture your culture and yeah I think just in the United States in general like you were saying how we don't have personal finance classes in high school so we're not really used to talking about money Mm -hmm. and it is kind of a taboo thing and I remember the only time I can remember talking about money in school I think was in my economics class in high school and we had this uh, exercise where each of us we like pulled jobs from a hat and that job had like an hourly wage and we had to calculate like what our lifestyle would look like Mm. so if you were say for example working at like starbucks making nine dollars an hour this was like back in 2002 or whatever what would your life look like how much could you afford for rent um how much for groceries and stuff but that was like the only peak into personal Mm -hmm. finance that i had in high school Mm -hmm. so yeah i wonder if we if we did talk more about money in school um, that would make a bigger difference and I don't know if like are you guys aware of any programs like in your area that are doing that I know that there are credit unions here in San Francisco that work with local schools and they have like Mm -hmm. you know little miniature versions of credit unions at their schools which I think is super cool that's great um Mm -hmm. not any off the top of my head I know that there are more companies or influencers popping up Mm -hmm. um a lot more uh literacy is going on with blogs and podcasts specific Mm -hmm. like finance related we are trying to make partnerships with Uh, schools and universities to go in and really talk about finances like how do you know if you're financially fit Mm -hmm. Uh, what should your credit score be how many investment accounts should you open how much of an emergency savings should you have basics Mm -hmm. um i mean we've got to start somewhere Mm -hmm. um corporations are also doing uh, are really becoming really big about financial uh, wellness so Mm -hmm. not even providing okay we're gonna provide free lunch and you get a 401k it's like well let's have uh, somebody come in and talk about financial wellness because that's also really important for their employees too along with other benefits that they receive Mm -hmm. so I think we're starting to come across more opportunities and more resources out there and I would really like to see financial personal finance specific uh, related curriculum not even just high school let's start earlier yeah let's be honest you get allowances we could start from there Mm -hmm. um and it's also really important for families to teach what they can um to their Mm -hmm. kids too yeah definitely Mm -hmm. talk more about money cool the next question so this is pretty specific okay (laughs) so be ready so this person asks I'm almost done reaching my emergency savings goal. I want to buy a condo soon, but I still have 23000 in student loan debt. Should I aggressively attack my loan and pay it off or 
put money towards getting into a house? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. And that's something very common that we deal with a lot um, with our clients at the gym Mm -hmm. is, you know, what's more important, Mm -hmm. paying off my debt aggressively or saving? Yeah. We're like, it's both. Yes. So. That's what I would say too. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, think of a weighing scale. On one side, you have your assets, your cash, your investments, uh, any sort of savings. And on the other end, you have your debt, so whether it's a car loan, student loans, credit cards, anything like that, those sorts of debts. We want to focus on, at the same time, raising your assets up and minimizing any debts, having it go down. If you focus too much on saving and not um, anything on the debt, your debt's going to grow. But likewise, if you focus too aggressively on paying off the debt, something happens to you and you don't have any cash liquid for an emergency that will come up. And it's not if it will come up, it is when it will come up. Because mm-hmm. you're, if you're a student, your laptop will crash, your phone will die. You know, we've had clients that have medical scares, family emergencies, mm-hmm. they've gotten laid off. If you have no cash emergency savings in the bank, then you're going to revert to credit cards. So we really are like, let's save this amount and have half of that, for example, go towards savings and the other half go towards debt. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of anxiety around student loans Mm -hmm. um, and wanting to pay it off really aggressively, really quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, But our theory is there are two types of debts. There's the consumer debt, which is the belly fat. No one wants to see that. They want to burn it off as quickly as possible. And the student loan debt, that's your booty fat. (laughs) Okay, so it's fine. You're working it off. It's going to take a little bit longer, but nobody really minds it. Yeah. It's got it. It's fine. It's it's even a little bit sexy. Yeah. Uh Um, And you're just going to take a little bit longer to burn off, but eventually it will happen. Mm -hmm. So focusing on tackling like you know, bad consumer debt, credit cards and things, that's what you want to focus on. But student loan debts, kind of just know that that's good debt. It's going to eventually go away. It's going to take a lot of time and effort. It's a marathon and not a sprint as far as paying it off. And if Mm -hmm. you want to buy the house, uh, I would say after the emergency fund, three to six months is fully established, Mm -hmm. then we would go ahead and say you should continue paying off student loans, but at the same time, start saving and investing for that house that you plan to buy. Mm -hmm. You pay off the student loan super aggressively and you get it done within, let's say, five to seven years, but then what happens? You want to buy the house, but you have to start all over from scratch as far as savings. Mm -hmm. Then Mm -hmm. maybe you can't buy the house for another five, seven, ten years because you paid off the student loan so aggressively. And I think people forget a lot about, like, compound interest and, like, the magic of that. Exactly. (laughs) So, um... Compound interest is your best friend. It really is. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but that was a great question. Yeah, absolutely. And a great answer. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's ask this question first. I think this is a, a really great question. If you weren't working in personal finance, what other types of work would you pursue or be interested in? Hmm. Uh, going back to what are the two job functions that I like people and administrative tasks? dealing specifically with numbers, mm-hmm. I think it would be really fun to own a sort of business in Montana. I really want to... Yes. She's like obsessed with Montana. I'm obsessed with Montana right now. I'm going there for a dude ranch <laughs> in September and I want to retire early out there. Like uh-huh. I want the cabin, I want the house, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like the little cabin, the cattle ranch dog, the house, the cowboy. I want that sort of life, but... <laughs> I also think it would be really fun to have some sort of business or establishment where it's like a community people can come to and they, whether it's like an all-in-one. So it's a coffee shop in the morning. It's Mm -hmm. a, a, a bookstore, a record shop. We have bands playing there. It also is a gastro pub. It's just like kind of like an all-in-one stop shop. You can literally okay. go there and spend the whole day there, and it's mm-hmm. okay because they've got everything you need. Yeah. And it keeps changing. And it keeps changing. So the staff changes. You can sit up there and do your work on the laptop and mm-hmm. get a cup of coffee. And then later on, you can order dinner and have a beer. Like There are very far few of those in New York, but when you find them, it's the greatest thing ever because... 
you just want to set up and just mm-hmm. relax and but also have the environment and atmosphere change and be very welcoming and open and I feel like that would be really fun to yeah. to set up shop in a small town and mm-hmm. know your neighbors and know your community and have a fun place for people to come and mm-hmm. I don't know I haven't quite worked that out but it would be with something where it's admin yeah. and people and I feel like that would be a good <laughs> you know and I can stay there all day yeah yeah, yeah. sounds cool as long as there's free wi-fi I mean oh yeah there would be free wi-fi yeah for sure <laughs> so the last listener question that we have is what are your top three money tips love it uh <laughs> I mean I have more than three but I'll, okay. I'll stick to the top three okay um, set it and forget it. So, uh, we're big about setting up automatic transfers to your savings mm-hmm. account or mm-hmm. your investment account. Mm-hmm. If you're in that next phase of you've already got the emergency savings established and you're investing, figuring out a set amount each we each paycheck or each month that you're going to have automatically transfer from your checking on the days you get paid and mm-hmm. go towards the either the emergency fund or the investment account, which could be your your home savings fund or your wedding savings mm-hmm. fund. You know, life is so busy and hectic, you don't have time to do things manually. Mm-hmm. So you may say, okay, on the days I get paid, I'll manually go in and I'll move my money around to, yeah. to do my goals. You may do it once or twice, you're going to forget it. So you might as well set it and forget it. Mm-hmm. So that's goal number one. Um, a lot of my clients that do that when they come in for their reviews and we see how they did on their savings goals, they hit the mark because they set it and they mm-hmm. forget it. So that's, I would say, a top one. Um, a second one, what I say is really create your budget and stick to it. Um, if you know yourself and you know you might not stick to it, try a cash diet. Go mm-hmm. to the ATM the same day, the same location every single week and take out in cash your spending money. So spending money for groceries, for dining out, for clothes, for any of those non-fixed expenses, you're really going to look into your wallet and you're going to see like how much cash do I have left over? Do I really want to say yes to going out to drinks with my friends tonight or do I want to save that and go out and have a better time on the weekend? Mm -hmm. It's too easy to swipe your card and just totally be attached to the money that's going out your brain actually they've done studies and when you swipe your card your brain just shuts off and you do not feel the transaction and the money going out mm-hmm. when you have cold hard cash a $20 bill a $100 bill your heart rate's going to go up when you give that over because mm-hmm. you're going to think do I really really want to spend my money mm-hmm. on this it's going to make you pause and think and you see it going away you see it away <laughs> and you're like bye bye 20 uh-huh. <laughs> It's really hard to part with cash. Mm-hmm. So um, yep. I would say for a lot of clients that I have, and even for myself, mm-hmm. um, I don't really need to do that. But I like taking out my weekly mm-hmm. spend um, cash and, and having that in my wallet. So yep. that would be tip two. Mm-hmm. Tip three, I would say something that really works well is, you know, at the end of every month, look at your statements and really take take some highlighters, take some time. And look at all of your expenses and see where your problem areas are. Mm -hmm. Everyone's got a kryptonite. Mm -hmm. Like, you've got your kryptonite. I've got mine. It's Amazon Prime. Oh, wow. You know, figure out where your money's going and Mm -hmm. see, was that a need? Was that a want? Or was that a waste? Mm -hmm. And if you notice you have a problem area, how do you minimize it? Is it a seamless app you have on your phone that you need to cancel? and you need to, to remove. Mm-hmm. Is there a certain store that you keep passing by and you notice when you go in you accidentally spend $40 more per week than you shouldn't have? Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe we need to find another route so you don't go in that store. <laughs> I need to stay away from Whole Foods. That's where I need to stay away from. Oh my God, yes. That's a lot of our friends. I want to eat really healthy. Yeah. Hey, you can, but we can yeah. do it more I can do that at cost effectively. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. There are techniques. Um, and I'll just do a bonus tip. Like, Find books, find podcasts mm-hmm. that you really, really have a have a voice that resonate with you, and yeah. and listen to them and read those books and mm-hmm. ask other people like what their money tips are and yeah. adopt those that fit with you mm-hmm. um, because there are tips out there and um, you just have to find them. Totally. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that concludes the listener questions. Thank okay. you. Great questions.
this is something I like to ask everyone, and this is, again, like, doesn't have to be work or career related, but what are you looking forward to this week? Mm. I'm specifically looking forward to archery tomorrow. Yeah! <laughs> For Caitlin's birthday, co-producer of the podcast. Ooh, ooh, what a great idea. I yeah. hope I don't injure anybody. Same. Same here. So, um, <laughs> and I think it's going to be windy tomorrow, so I'm a little bit nervous. Oh, that's good. And I'm glad that we're drinking afterwards rather uh-huh. than before. I think that was a really smart <laughs> planning yeah. move. Um, but I'm really excited mm-hmm. for that. I haven't done archery since elementary school, oh my so gosh. I'm really looking forward to that yeah. and seeing more of San Francisco. This is one of the greatest cities to visit. Is, the culture yeah, is good. Fun. Like the food's great. So yeah, I'm really cool. looking forward to that. Yeah, me yeah. too. So is there anything you'd like to plug? Like we talked about the financial gym quite a bit. Like where can people find them online? Can yeah, we talk about that a little bit. Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, so there are a few different things. If you're interested in getting financially fit, you can go to our website, thefinancialgym.com, and you can sign up for a free 15-minute consultation call with one of my colleagues. They're fantastic. I swear it's the funnest 15-minute conversation you've ever had about money. I constantly hear, constantly hear laughing going on in the office. Oh, my gosh. They're usually on calls with prospective clients. So mm-hmm. definitely if you want to learn more about the types of memberships that we offer, the prices, and how it actually really works, mm-hmm. and to, to find out if it's something that's the right fit for you, mm-hmm. definitely I would say go online and sign up for the free 15-minute consultation. And you can book through there. We we do have the New York office, but we have plenty of virtual clients, such as Tati. Mm-hmm. So we can do Google, we can do Skype, we can do phone. Um, and there are money tribes. So if you can't take advantage of going to an actual physical gym location, we do have money tribes set up throughout major uh, local um, U.S. cities throughout the United States. Um we also have the um, podcast that you can listen to. Our Shannon McClay, our founder, has the Martinis and Your Money podcast, Living One Life, One Cocktail at a Time. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So if oh you want to get involved with the podcast and, uh-huh. and learn more about um, finances, we have that podcast. And yep, there are Facebook groups and you can definitely follow our Instagram account to the financial okay. team to learn more. And um, we are also offering for uh, Brilliant Babes podcast listeners, if you call in, you decide you want to become a member, uh, the first three months are going to be 15% off the membership. So that will save you a little bit more money in Uh your budget. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) definitely take advantage. Mm -hmm. So I'll link all of these things on the episode page of our website. Um, Well, cool. Well, Crystal, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. It was so much fun. (laughs) This was great. So to learn more about Crystal and other topics we've covered on this episode, head over to our website, brilliantbabespodcast.com, where you can also listen to previous episodes, check out our event calendar, and get the recipes for the dishes we make for each episode. Today's recipe, as I mentioned earlier, was a lavender bee's knees cocktail. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and stay tuned for episodes every other Tuesday. Take care, everyone.